Hello and welcome. On this week's episode, we discuss new trailers for the movie The Last Duel by Ridley Scott and King Richard by Ronaldo Marcus. We also discuss new trailers from sci-fi for the television series Chucky. It's the most recent property actually produced by the creator of Child's Play, Don Mancini, and it posits to be a bit better than the movie. We will also discuss the new Masters of the Universe cartoon series on Netflix. Arthur's seen the first episode. I've seen all of them because I'm definitely the bigger Motu fan. (laughs) And lastly, we are going to discuss M. Night Shyamalan's latest offering, Old. It's Shyamalani, but I like it. Shyamalama ding dong. So join us on... <laughs> the the tales to admonish monster or whatever it is that 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 is the sound effect that says that title uh, was feeling saucy today. <laughs> saucy indeed, man. We don't let him out of his cage nearly enough, I guess. Oh, once he goes out, it's Wango Tango time. <laughs> <laughs> so, how the hell are you, sir? Hey, man. Oh man, I'm feeling great. I feel like I talk about the same same thing every time. Oh, more voiceover, more voiceover. <laughs> but that's that's yeah, that's yeah, what's yeah. happening. I just worked on this new video game. Uh so that was really great. Uh worked at the Mark Grau Studios. So uh I'm I'm just loving it. Uh work on Elder Scrolls next month. So I'm really excited about that. So um other than that, just uh plodding along with all of like our you know, all of the kind of like creative projects that we've been, we've been working on and getting ready for pumpkin time. Don't you have something to say about that? <laughs> well, I was wondering if you got anything cool in the mail. Um, A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, basically, a beautiful gift by one Thomas Olton. Oh, thank you. I'm fishing for that compliment. Keep it coming. <laughs> got you on the hook. I'm reeling you in. Well, well you could reel this in. You could reel in um, that, that sweet... Sweet humble juice, <laughs> because I was right, you were wrong. You were right, and and in honor of you being right, I sent you a framed copy of Captain Marvel number one with a proud black woman right on the cover. That's right. Which I should have known because I had it in my long box. That's and it right. Definitely predates Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel. So that's right. Canonically, Captain Marvel is black, and so in honor. Of your being right and it being your birthday, I I sent you that comic framed up nice and 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 to go along with it, a nice framed copy of Power Man, Luke Cage, Annual Number One from number one got a twofer, a twofer. Mm. Oh my God! So those can, are good can we fun. just get a, a, a like a applause sound effect right now for my man Tom? <laughs> yes, yes. Everyone applaud this man, this lovely, beautiful. Well, it w- it was my pleasure, and you know I couldn't let your birthday go uh, unanswered. But Thanks, yeah, man. I've been good. I've been good. Things are cool over here. Right around this morning, just picked up my car from the shop and uh, trying to get a bunch of stuff. Pumpkins are coming. We have secured a studio space, so it is getting much much closer to being real. Um, and so we are looking to just get the the band back together. I've been talking to some artists and talking to some people and trying to. 
trying to make this thing work. It's a miracle. It's a miracle every single year that we get to travel somewhere and, and, you know, put on a show and thousands of people come and it's amazing. And I don't believe it's going to happen until you're actually sitting in the room making this stuff every year. You're like, Oh, I'm getting a phone call in, in August and it's off and it's over and you're done. Mm-hmm. Not this year. It seems so it's looking good. I'm, I'm super stoked to do it. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough undertaking, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited. We're really, we're real and rolling now. Heck yeah, man. Oh my God. I wish I could be there with you. Ah, oh, I wish you could be here with me too. It's, it's going to be super exciting, but you know, you're here with me in spirit and we get to talk all the time and, and do this podcast, which I love, but you know, speaking of which there is uh there's going to be no episode next week. So no. I know Arthur, uh, no, you and I will still talk, but the, the problem is uh, I I'm actually going to be going in for surgery. And so I'm specifically having surgery done on my ear. So it's going to make it very difficult for me to do things like wear headphones and mix and listen to things. Mm -hmm. Um, So but God willing, when I when I get back from surgery, everything's going to sound much better because I'll actually be able to hear better. Uh, And they are also specifically taking a tumor out of my fucking head, which is kind of terrifying. Right. Man, say those words out loud. But it's not it's not a tumor. It's, a, it's not, it's not a tumor. It it's, is a tumor. It is a tumor. <laughs> Fuck, it's a tumor. Um, but, you know, it's funny you say that because I, you know, this problem developed and I attributed it to something else. Uh, another thing that I was having done, I said, oh, it's a swollen lymph node. It's not a big deal. It'll go down. It'll go down. And then it didn't go down. And you're like, well, it's probably just a lipoma. It's a fatty deposit. It'll, it'll go away. It'll go away. And then it doesn't. And it doesn't. And so you get to the point of where like, holy shit, I, I should maybe go to the doctor. And I am terrible, terrible about going to a doctor because I'm always like, it's not a tumor. You know, what the fuck? What are the chances that it's that it's a tumor? And so you put it off and you put it off and then you go to the hospital and they're like, well, good to see you. Uh, we would have liked to have seen you earlier, but but thanks for stopping by. You have a fucking tumor in your head. And so for anybody who might be listening, who might be dealing with some kind of medical difficulty that they don't, think is a big deal or just kicking the can down the road, random chest pains, but I'm fine. Oh, that's a weird lump somewhere, but probably not a big deal. Oh, you know, Mike, this hurts. That hurts. I, I, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Just stop, stop, go to the doctor. Yeah. Go to the doctor. And especially these Arthur, days. Get your second shot. Get your second COVID I got shot. it, go to man. The I got oh, it. You got the second. I got it, buddy. Oh <laughs> shit. So you're 100% vaxxed up now, right? Mm-hmm. Because you went to the doctor and you were putting it off. And I kept telling you, I was like, don't put it off, man. Bad shit can happen when you put shit off. And I, I put my shit off and I thought it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And then I went to a doctor and he's like, look, it's, it's manageable. You're going to be fine. There's no chance that this is going to go the worst way where this is manageable, but you should have been here sooner, man. So for anybody who might be on the fence about it, if you cannot afford health insurance, go to healthcare.gov and put in your your income and they will help you find something uh, uh, affordable. I've been on every point in the income spectrum. I've had years where I've done great projects and been fortunate to have tons of people calling me and made tons of money. And then I pay a lot for health insurance. And I've had years where I've made no fucking money. And then I pay very little for health insurance. Mm-hmm. And so the state, most states will help you get your health insurance together. You can, you know, you can reach out to them and and, and they will help you. So I would encourage everyone to do that. Go to your 
localusa.gov, healthcare.gov. There are numerous organizations you can find on the internet, charities. I hate to direct people to charities because this is healthcare and you pay taxes and the state should be helping you out. And they will, and they will, but you got to go to your respective state's healthcare website and, uh, you know, sign up, give them your personal information and, and get some health insurance and go see the doctor because you never know. Yes, and I didn't yes. know and I thought I was fine and I'm, I'm a living example. Go. Yes. Go. Be mindful. Be vigilant. Be healthy. We love you. <laughs> so now that we got all of that heavy shit out of the way, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's funny. Every person I told about this, you always have to start out with like, so I got some news. I'm totally fine. <laughs> Don't worry. But you see this weird lump behind my ear. Somebody's going to cut it out of my head. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. So it's been, it's been something. I don't know. So, um, yeah. In, uh, but we're all looking forward to when I get better and I'll get back and we'll be talking about lots of silly stuff. There's going to be tons more to talk about because Arthur and I, we, we drag the deepest recesses of the internet to bring you fun and entertaining geek news. That's right. We hope it's at least one, if not both. And uh, one thing we love to do is talk about trailers. And Arthur, this morning, you turned me on to two trailers that I had not seen and didn't even know these projects were in development. What do we got? We got The Last Duel. And what's great about this project is, uh, at first I just um, kind of settled it aside because it just looked like another generic sword and knight battling thing you know and they did they tend to star matt damon for some reason <laughs> but, but i but this one uh i, li- I was listening to uh, mark Marin on the wtf podcast and he was he happened to be uh, interviewing matt damon and he went more into the detail of the thing so ridley scott's working on this and it's also mm-hmm. like a- after all these years it's matt damon and ben affleck working together Besides the the Project Greenlight thing that they that they did, right, right, but right. Uh, them working together like on an honest to goodness film, and uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, it's basically Matt Damon and his wife, um, and his wife has a problem with another knight and calls him out for it. The other knight being played by Adam Driver, he doesn't admit to it at all, so it leads to a duel. So that's the setup for the movie. And it's a pretty cool trailer. So I just thought that was cool that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are. They just seem like, wow, it's really been that long. <laughs> but it, I mean, that's the yeah, crazy yeah. thing about ho- um, Hollywood. You like you start putting things in your schedule and you just really don't see your people for a while, you know. Uh, so that's cool. I thought the last tr- duel trailer was cool. One of the things I really appreciated about the last duel is that it leaves the villain, Adam Driver, somewhat ambiguous. You mm-hmm. know, it would have been real easy to show us this trailer where you're like, Matt Damon is the king and this is his queen and she was assaulted by one of his knights and now he's going to defend her honor and and it would have been very straightforward cut and dry and you know uh, uh good wins evil is punished and oh this rogue knight but the trailer really makes you question if she's telling the truth or not Adam Driver in many scenes seems to earnestly and you know uh, vehemently deny the allegations against him. So you're not really sure if this is a manipulation on her part. And then mm-hmm. they go on to explain some of the stakes in the movie for the last duel. And so I think they did a really good job of giving you just enough to be like, I, I wonder if that fucker did it or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but without giving away the whole store. And I feel like we'll talk a little bit about old later. And I feel like sometimes the trailers give away the whole store and I'm glad this one didn't. So I was yeah, about that. that that always sucks when that happens. Um, especially 
when you know they realize that that's all that the movie has well, well just put it all in the trailer so they could come you know <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's always great when they put like uh everything in the trailer and then you watch the movie and see that there's a whole bunch of other stuff you know and you just mm-hmm. you just kind of react tacitly to uh the stuff that you've seen eight eighteen thousand times on the trailer uh loki was kind of like that um, yeah yeah but there was so much more there um the next trailer is king richard you know it makes you um you know think of oh this must be some sort of shakespearean thing but instead it's uh will smith's new uh outfit uh he's uh playing the father of uh, serena and venus williams and um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, although although it's schmaltzy, <laughs> it looks like it looks really good to me. <laughs> it looks like Oscar bait. It yeah. looks like Oscar bait all the way. Uh, the soundtrack in the trailer is fantastic, and they just let they put the whole thing on Front Street. Yeah, I love the girls that they got playing Venus and Serena. You know, yeah, those girls look fun. I think I think just think it should have been called My Girls or something like that. <laughs> you know, something like that. Like, it's like King Richard is like the Venus and Serena Williams story. King Richard. It's like, what? <laughs> well, they do make it a point in the story to talk about how, you know, while their other siblings may not be tennis gods, they're mm-hmm. also high achievers. And so the cost of greatness, what it takes to raise your children, be it in tennis or academia, for greatness, and how some people will look at you and call you a madman and may you, maybe you are, but is it worth it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that seems to be the whole crux of this movie is, is, is he pushing too hard or is that the cost of greatness? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I actually, I, I could have did better with a, another, another trailer. It's just weird to see like the whole story and then it all resort to King Richard. <laughs> 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 And they got John Bernthal in it, and it doesn't look like he's going to get to shoot anybody. No! (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hopefully they'll have him back as the Punisher soon, because he was fantastic as the Punisher. You watched those, right? I have not seen the Punisher. Whoa! I know, I know, I know. It came and it went. You know what happened? It came out in October. Yeah, when it came out. Oh, and I was that makes doing sense. Shit, and then I just never got back. I just never got back to it. I meant to. I swore I was going to. Punisher is a much watch, bro. Oh I know, I know, I know. I have intentions of picking up some of the pieces that I've missed over the years. I swear. Have you? Did you catch all of the Marvel shows, or or just some of them? So I missed out on Punisher, and I missed out on Jessica Jones season two. Oh, you're not. Yeah, I'm missing a lot there. Those were the ones that I missed. You saw season three then? Of Jessica Jones? Yeah. There was a season three? Yeah. I have not seen season three of Jessica Jones. <laughs> season one I is great. I didn't know there was a season three. I, I love Jessica Jones, so I, I will I will sit there and watch season two, but season two wasn't the best. It's not the best out of the out of the three. And then mm-hmm. three is really good again. And uh Iron Fist first season is bleh, just makes you want to vomit makes you want to vomit. Second season is great. I liked the second <laughs> season. I actually did. What? I didn't mind the second season of uh, of Iron Fist. No, Iron Fist was the second season was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the much first better. one that was complete pig vomit. 
no one ever said like it really was. It was for a kung fu show. Man, they spent a lot of time in boards room boardrooms, and I just oh, don't need so it. So bad. Just, and like, the kung fu was terrible. Oh yeah, it was dude. really. It was just rushed, and it yeah, it was. It was the showrunner of the last season of Dexter, and he he destroyed the last season of Dexter. So. You know, like you know, I don't know. It's just like, hey, let's let's like let's not give our the first season of the show a good footing. We know just who to call. <laughs> it's like the Brett Radner of television programs. Yeah. Um. Every every episode, every season of Daredevil was completely solid. That's probably the, yes. like that's yep. the crown yep. crown perfect. jewel of those crown jewel of those shows. And then I loved uh, both seasons of Luke Cage. Yep. So both of those were fantastic and then as well. Both, and I can't believe that Michael uh, Coulter hasn't been like that. They're so cold on him. There's all this talk of Charlie Cox and I love Charlie Cox. He's great. But like, you got to admit, Michael Coulter was every bit as good as Charlie Cox in his role. I think I thought he, I thought he was, he was Luke Cage. I think he was okay. You know, I don't think he was the best thing about the show. I think, I think a lot of the villains were great in the show. I, I think that the world that they, they set up, and the music and the themes were great. I feel like Mike, Mike was. I feel like Mike was just okay throughout the whole thing. You know, I don't think he was. I, really, I, I don't think he was terrible, but I, 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 my, my, you know, for him, he's just so cool. You know. Yeah, but that's Luke Cage. Luke Cage is just so fucking cool. But he has more swagger. Time. Luke has more swagger. You know, because a lot of that swagger came out of like the swing in 70s motif that was so ingrained in his character. And I think that swagger needed to be updated to the quiet cool for for a modern era. Uh, I, I don't know. I think I think somebody else could have probably did some more with it. You know, I, like I said, he's not terrible, but I don't think he's the best thing about Luke Cage. That's OK, so I would take Michael J. White. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. See, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh my God! Like just just saying Michael Jai White like completely changes the whole thing around. I mean, he wanted to he wanted to play the part at the one point. Also, oh, yeah, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, also He's Black uh, Dynamite. Black Dynamite yeah. is Luke Cage. Oh yeah. Also, uh, Tyree Tyree uh, Tyrese, Gibson Gibson. Yeah, Tyrese, Tyrese Gibson. At one time, John Singleton was gonna do it with him. I like it. I like yeah, it before before the this the Marvel the MCU really came together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, yeah. That that being said, just going back to Punisher, Punisher both seasons fantastic. They they picked the perfect person to play Punisher. Oh my god! Well, they're bringing back a lot of people from that universe. You know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio has been confirmed for Hawkeye. Hell, that he's gonna have yes. at least an appearance in in Hawkeye as the Kingpin. Which oh yeah. Crazy. He was in Punisher too. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So they've already dipped in that Punisher could be right around the corner. And John Bernthal is an excellent Punisher from what I've seen. And mm. I wasn't like super into the Punisher. I think Punisher 2 is an absolute masterpiece of crazy filmmaking. Oh, with uh what's his name? Um who's who's the actor that played Punisher? Oh, war, it, war, uh, war crimes or war. Yeah, it was Punisher Warzone. War Journal. Warzone. Warzone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Lexi uh, Alexander directed that. Yeah, Lexi Alexander directed the shit out of that. Oh, it's heck like yeah. a stunt gun movie. I can't, the actor's name is escaping me completely. I want to say Clive Owen, but I know it's not him. No. He he's uh, one of the like he's Clive one Owen. of the uh the the three from Thor. 
One of the th- oh, Warriors he's one three. Of the Warriors three. Yeah, he's the big one, the, the one with the big beard. Oh, I'm not placing it, but but in any event, he's such a perfect Punisher, and like because the Punisher is so profoundly damaged. Yeah, and it's so I cool. Know, he's awesome. It's so cool. He looked just like the Bradstreet uh, cover uh, cover art of uh, Punisher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that mm-hmm. crap was crazy. And that movie just stands alone as such a wonderful piece of action weirdness. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's so good. Oh, yeah. It's with, so uh, violent. Yeah, with Jigsaw. Oh, man. Yeah, Jigsaw. He's so insane. He's so insane. Everybody plays their part perfectly in that movie. And the Punisher, just the brutality of shooting people really comes through in that movie. That mm-hmm. like So many movies gloss over, you know, bang, 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 and people fall down. And then in Punisher uh, Warzone, oh my God, the brutality of being shot is on full display. Yeah, Ray Ray so. Stevenson, Ray Stevenson, and and uh, Dominique West played Jigsaw from from The Wire. Yep, man, yeah. we got caught down a rabbit hole there, huh? <laughs> Heck yeah, man! We're talking about Marvel. I love it. <laughs> well, the only other trailer that we sat down and watched was the one that I recommended to you because I love the Child's Play franchise and I'm so excited for the new Chucky series. It looks maniacal. Yeah, it looks good. I mean, uh, it's cool that they went with like a kind of a, a preteen sort of so young young teen sort of kid. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's weird that he would bring the in the trailer he brings the Chucky doll to school. And I was like, uh, okay, it's an interesting choice. <laughs> well, some of the backstory is is that he is like this weird, tortured emo kid, and part of one of his hobbies is making like weird, gross dolls. You know, he likes to make props and he likes to make disturbing dolls. And so part of his image is being counterculture and being weird and goth and strange. So dragging the doll around, I think, scans a little bit for that character. You're supposed mm-hmm. to think like what a weird fucking kid. And he's dragging a doll to class. Mission yeah, accomplished. I mean, there's, there's some definitely creepy things there. I, I feel like it's half and half for, for me. There's moments where it's, it's creepy. Then there's moments where it's like, uh, I wish they lit that better. So it could be creepier, mm-hmm. you know, then like sometimes like the animation looks weird when you hear the voice of Chucky coming from like, you know, usually his face is always contorted. So if his face is looking normal with that vo- voice coming out of it, it's just kind of weird, you know? So yeah, yeah, absolutely, when you get the regular voice. And, and we're so used to Chucky having been mangled over the yeah. years that to see a nice, pristine Chucky is yeah. a little bit weird. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see, we'll see like, uh, how it all shakes out, you know, since that's just a trailer. My thing is, is that relative to the 2019 movie, I am so much more excited for this. Because, fun fact, the guy who invented Chucky and Child's Play and all that stuff is a guy named Don Mancini. Now, he has directed every single Child's Play movie up until the most recent one. And when you look at them, they are so tonally different. Every single Child's Play movie is drastically, drastically different to the point of where you wouldn't think that the same person had directed them all. But... Mm-hmm. This has been his life's work has been child's play. He's worked on almost nothing else over the course of his career. He he hit the ball out of the park in college and now 30 years later he's still chugging along on the same property. So good yeah, for him. Yeah, that's dope. Way man. to monetize one good idea. Holy Heck shit. Heck yeah, man. But he 
he was frozen out of the movie, which is why the movie is so different than everything that we know. Because he was completely pushed out. Yeah, exactly. He was totally, totally pushed out of that. And so they proceeded and he, they, the studio owns Child's Play, but he owns the rights to his characters, which is why the series is going to be called Chucky. It's going to debut in October on Sci-Fi and it just looks disturbed. So I like I like it because it's from the mind of Don Mancini. The other Child's Play movie I didn't hate. Aubrey Plaza was fun. And, you know, you got Luke Skywalker to be the voice of a homicidal doll. That's good fun. But calling mm-hmm. it Child's Play didn't ring right with me. So mm-hmm. I thought you could have called that movie any other damn thing and it would have been a great movie. But they called it Child's Play, so be it. It was a fun movie. But this, this is Chucky. And so I'm I'm in it for this and I'm in it for him to, like, not have been totally frozen out of the process. This is from the mind of the person who gave me all the shit that I love. So I'm glad that he's the one making it because they pushed him out hard on that other movie. Yeah, I hate when that happens. Speaking of pushed out hard, you know, what was interesting was that, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk surrounding the new Marvel properties and what they're developing. And it's, it's gained some research interest with uh, Howard the duck. Mm-hmm. And, I know you were talking to me earlier about some interesting Howard the Duck information, but one thing I'll throw to you first is that, did you know that the original voice of Howard the Duck was a guy named Chip Zine? Chip Zine was brought in at the last minute to do the lines when Robin Williams dropped out of the project. Hmm. Chip Zine was not invited to the world premiere of the movie. He was not invited to do the press tour for the movie, and Marvel basically was like, Here's your paycheck. Take care. He saw the movie for the first time at his local Cineplex. And he's the voice of Howard the Duck. And they froze him the fuck out. Why did they do that? I don't know. They just had no regard for him. They already, when the movie came out and was an immediate flop and the the early reviews were not good, like they weren't going to celebrate the character because the character, nobody liked the movie. So they basically just paid him and that was that. Why fly him out for press junkets? Why bring him out for the premiere when... Nobody knows who he is and the movie's a flop. And yeah, we got to take Leah Thompson and stick her up there. We got to take Tim Robbins, who wasn't a star at the time, but was, you know, uh, uh, up and coming, put him out there for the premieres. And uh, Jeffrey uh, Pedophile. (laughs) Jeffrey Pedophile from Beetlejuice. That's as as much respect as we'll give him. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, they brought all them out for the premiere, but they they froze Chip Zine out. And to this day, he's like, I don't even really know why. What did I do? Mm-hmm. But you you had mentioned something about Leah Thompson like being more into Howard the Duck than we might have thought. Yeah. Um, so it just came out in the news that Leah Thompson a couple of years ago uh, repitched uh, Howard the Duck to Marvel Studios. <laughs> 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 and uh, I mean, I, like, I mean, that's really cool that that she was like was involved with that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So then uh, apparently they liked the idea. You know, but Marvel, they're so in-house, like, when it comes to, like, a lot of these things and yeah. so protective of, the, protective of these characters. Like, it, it just made sense that they already had plans going forward anyway. So, <laughs> um, but Leah Thompson just, like, came up with that, like, fun little tidbit um, that, oh, that, that she t- pitched to, uh, to Marvel. <laughs> she actually pitched a, a, a freaking Howard the Duck project, which is great. They're like, no, 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 we have, a, we have plans for a movie already 12 years from now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like she had the rights to anything, which is no, of course not. She just thing. liked it, but she but she worked with uh, the one of the creators, comic creators on mm-hmm. on the pitch, so that gave it even more validation. Even though she was like, you know, in the movie and and did the infamous 
lewd scene with the duck in the bed <laughs> which she's still know, made me very confused as a young person <laughs> is she gonna have sex with that duck the... my parents brought me to that movie when i was like five years old thinking it was a children's movie and that giant yep. monster at the end and the she's yeah, gonna and, fuck and that duck, duck tits and duck tits Jesus, all over the duck place. titties in the first five minutes <laughs> my stepfather thought that was hysterical i remember that much <laughs> But it was definitely not for five or six year old me. That was what, 1985, 86, something like yeah, that? Yeah. I saw that in theaters. I would have been like six years old. That's wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was a trip, man. Oh, that's too much. But hey, they've made, you know, they've, they've, they've really made some news on it. And that movie itself has its own cult following and people don't totally hate it. I still have, there's a, there's a space in my heart for something that is so that inexorably weird. It's bad, but it's beautifully weird. I mean, dude, it's pure eighties, bro. (laughs) It is, it is. It's a bad Marvel movie and we don't have a lot of them, but it's, but it's, it's so beautifully weird. Uh, A bad Marvel movie that is not at all beautifully weird is like Blade Trinity. That movie is just bad, bad. That movie is so bad, so bad. It's borderline unwatchable. The The crowning achievement in that movie is CGI eyeballs on on freaking Wesley Snipes. Do you know about this, about the CGI eyeballs? No, I haven't. All right, this is a great thing. So we're going to talk about this in a minute, but Wesley Snipes and the director, David Goyer, uh, hated each other. They had serious problems. It got yeah, to the man, point. Yeah, Goyer Pat- was trying to, Goyer was exploiting this franchise so he could spin it off into a new series with two shiny little white characters. That was bullshit. Well, Goyer was spinning off the franchise because Wesley Snipes was becoming unhinged. Wesley Snipes was in the process of becoming completely unhinged. And so they, they had had a lot of beef and basically it got to the point of where Wesley Snipes, if you, if it's not a close up, it's a freaking stunt double. And so at one point, David Goyer sat down with Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes was like, you need to leave this movie. You're ruining this movie. And Goyer was like, no, 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 no. You're ruining this movie with your behavior. And by the way, we've already got all the close-ups. So you could go home and we'll just keep shooting your body double like you've been making us do. So Wesley Snipes was a petulant little bitch on this movie, no matter how David Goyer behaved. Granted, but I, okay. I, don't, I don't like the idea of using that to like um, make make something because that's just something that always happens in Hollywood. The six, the, a lot of the success that the, the Blade franchise experience was was because of Wesley. You know, sure, who knows, sure. Who knows what he had to deal with being on that set with those people uh, throughout all those movies? You know, what I'm saying all, part- all of the extraneous reports from all the other actors, and I'm willing to take Ryan Reynolds and Patton Oswalt. I mean, fuck David Goyer. I, I, you know, I'm familiar with his work. He's a good writer. I have no idea what kind of director he is. We can infer from this and the fact that he's written about 60 movies and directed about four that he's a much better writer than he is a director. So I can imagine part of that process was pained. And he said, he said in an interview recently on Hollywood Reporter that involved. So I think that Snipes has a gripe, but he certainly didn't help. The pinnacle, which being there's a scene in the movie where he's laying on a table and the other uh, vampires are like, you know, torturing him. And there's supposed to be a point in the movie where they stick him with a needle or something and his eyes open and then he breaks free and that's that. He laid on the table and he refused to open his eyes for the scene. 
he wouldn't open his eyes for the scene. They're like, he was like, you can't make me open my eyes. I'm not doing it. <laughs> what a fucking asshole. So they had to do CGI open eyeballs that look absolutely insane. <laughs> he also spent most of the production in character as Blade. So he would write notes to people as Blade. Mm-hmm. And according to Ryan Reynolds, all he did was smoke weed and hang out in his trailer. Like literally that was it. And he got to the point where he refused to be on set with anyone else. So there's a whole scene where he's bantering with Ryan Reynolds in a, in a car. And it was shot completely separately because he refused to be on set with any of the other actors. Like, come on. How are you going to do that to a production? That's fucking rough. So I think everybody, you know, involved in this is the asshole. Except Patton Oswalt and Ryan Reynolds. They can do no wrong in my universe. But if you want some funny shit so they re- so Patton Oswalt goes on and he says there was this whole thing where they were out drinking at a strip club and at the strip club uh, Wesley Snipes choked out David Goyer and threatened to kill him so David jokingly hired a bunch of bikers to be his bodyguards during production which is when apparently Wesley Snipes like totally shut down and so they recently asked David Goyer if all of that was true. And the only thing he would say is, I'm not going to comment except to say that I respect Wesley Snipes as an actor, but we are no longer friends. Mm-hmm. Pat Oswald, on the other hand, very good friend of mine. That's it. <laughs> so I think he's basically saying, yeah, that shit happened. To his credit, though, Wesley Snipes' argument, he goes, hey, if you're telling me that a black actor choked a white director and didn't get arrested for it, I call bullshit. That's his argument. His saying is that it never happened because had it happened, he would have been in handcuffs. That's a fair argument to a certain yeah, degree. I don't, I don't think so. That there, there's a franchise that's like, like that, that has heads and shoulders on him. You know, a lot of money on the table. That's true. And somebody like, like uh, Wesley Snipes, knowing full well that he is Blade, going and saying, I don't leave my trailer for anything other than a close-up. I'm not shooting any of the action scenes. Like there's so many scenes where it's such an obvious stunt double and mm-hmm. he's acting the whole movie. Like he doesn't want to fucking be there. You can see there's a solid 10 years of Wesley I mean, Snipes' life where he is fucking done with Hollywood, but he keeps acting in movies. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't really feel that was the same for blade one and blade two. I, I, no, I no, could, no, no. I, could, I think that I was pre-jaded Because I remember watching that movie and be really pissed off at what they were doing. Because I, I see stuff like this happen all the time. When they put, like, they think, you know, some something that was built on something black. And then they, they, they try to take that, push you out. I see it happen with the Wayne brothers. Seen it happen with, like, all, all sorts of people. All sorts of black uh, black performing artists and stuff. Like, Wait a minute. What Wayne brothers property was gentrified? What they would they push the Wayne brothers out of? Uh, in Living Color and and uh, Scary Movie. Okay, Scary Movie. I'll give you that, but I don't know that In Living Color really at any point got like they, they definitely did it. They definitely yeah. did it. They 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 completely uh, shut the Wayans out of it, and then at one point it was basically the Jim Carrey show, and um like it was like the last like season. Yeah. Or two. Okay. All right. You're um, right. So like that's something that's happened to black artists like forever, you know. So okay. like I I'll saw the that. same thing happening in that movie too, and it just really, it really annoyed me, because it was it was so blatant, blatant what they were doing with that movie. See, I I meet that point somewhere halfway where I say they had to transition to something because Wesley Snipes just would not play ball anymore, and so 
Ryan Reynolds in an action movie, there are worse places to transition into. And, and the woman, I can't remember her name, tip of the tongue, um, who's in that movie as well. But I feel like they're as good as anybody to transition to. But it does whitewash a black franchise, I guess. Yeah, I mean, my thing is, I, what I wonder is, like, what was happening to Wesley the whole experience? Because, like, I've been the only black person on set, and it's not pretty. It's not pretty at all. Like, you, and you could be the star and still be treated like crap. And um, you just, you just, I feel, I could feel like, the, you know, what would turn you into someone that just, you know, has to feel the pressure of working with people that are constantly condescending to you and treating you like crap when you're supposed to be the star and stuff. So like, I mean, I don't know the whole story, but I'd love to know the whole story because it, it's, it's easy to assume, oh yeah, he was just a jerk. I, but I wonder what happened to him that whole time for him to feel that way. Well, I will say, I think that there are a lot of problems that have been documented, very well documented in the way that um, persons of color are treated in Hollywood and are treated in a, a lot of environments in American society. I have to be careful because in this instance, it really just seems like Wesley Snipes sucks. <laughs> it just seems like Wesley Snipes sucks. <laughs> that nice pun, bro. Nice pun. Nice pun. <laughs> He's a vampire and he sucks. But so I'm a white dude, right? Okay. And let's just give a hypothetical. And I think that you, Arthur Romeo, you suck. You suck. <laughs> God, I hate you. Oh, my God. You're always late to the podcast when we're supposed to be recording. And you're like, I got to pick up my kids. You know, shit. You're the worst. And so I just don't like you. And I go up to you, Arthur. I'm like, Arthur, I'm going to give you a hard time because you're just the fucking worst. And you look at me and you go, nah, nah, nah. It's because I'm black. What do I do as a white person to convince you that you just suck for your personality and not for your skin Oh, man. It's not so clear and cut like that, bro. I'm just saying it's a minefield for me as a white person. I am in a fucking minefield here. Because when I meet black people in the real world that legitimately suck, I have to be careful. <laughs> no because it's true i've worked as an art director before and i've had i had an artist that i was working with one time and it was clear that he had faked his portfolio it was clear that he could not fucking draw and he had a bad attitude to boot so i sent him home and i got this email back you are the most racist son of a bitch I've ever met. <laughs> i remember that you know and like the guy like lost his mind on me about that. me being so racist and and you know and i'm just like but you just suck i'm not racist you just suck <laughs> how do i i mean i don't have any obligation to convince him of anything mm -hmm. but but then like how do I navigate that minefield? That's my only thing. So you're saying you, I, you, just, you just have to, you know, be a G about it. You know, I mean, you work with plenty of other black people, you know? Yeah. And I, and I, I tried telling him, I said, my best friend is black. And he's like, don't do that. Don't say that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> And I, and, I, and I take Arthur out of my pocket and I flash my token and it's supposed to gain me admission. No. Damn it. I take it and, and, I, and, I, and I push the token into the slot and I get no, in the door. No, you're using all the wrong words. No, please stop. 
And I gained admission to the black community. I showed him my best friend. Here it is. <laughs> I can't even with this shit. This is too funny. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so those were some funny recent revelations that have come out. And the more and more people talk about Blade 3, the more and more we find out that, like, it was a total mm-hmm. shit show. But it's fun to talk about a shit show sometimes. You know what is not a total shit show, but is still super fun to talk about? Masters of the Universe fucking Revelations. That's not the official mm. title, but it's pretty close. Holy yeah. cow, you've you've seen the first episode. Now, yeah, should man. we spoil it or no? Well, no, man. Do we spoil the end of the first episode? We don't, right? Oh, well, we spoil the first episode. Otherwise, you're going to spoil all the other episodes. Like, please, no, but no. there's a big thing that happens at the end of the first episode that's pretty monumental and yeah. has far-reaching implications. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, I'm just wondering if we spoil it or not. Yeah, we should. But okay. I mean, All right. So if you're going to watch Masters Universe Revelations, um, spoilers, spoilers ahead. We're going to spoil the first episode and I'm going to try my damnedest not to spoil the rest of them for Arthur. Mm-hmm. Thank you. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying. Right, I'm, I'm right trying. here. So first of all, this is from our boys, Mark Bernardin and Kevin Smith. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and they oh, knocked man. it out the Our park. Soul Brothers. It uh, looks I, so good. Yeah, I got to tell you, I was just so happy, you know, after seeing what Kevin's been going through for the past 15 years, to see him as showrunner, <laughs> produced yeah. by Kevin Smith on, like, something that's just, like, super high quality. Because we always know, like, he's we're not accustomed to seeing super high quality stuff no, from Kevin. No, no, no. You know? So, and, and we, we, we've always known Kevin's potential, even when he doesn't know it himself. You know, um, yeah, yeah, for and, sure. And so it's so, and it's and it's so great that you know he's been working with Mark all these years because I feel like Mark helps him become a better writer too, just by them shooting the shit and talking about story stuff like for the past four or five years. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. So yeah, and it's just great that he's had that podcast too, is because it's like Hollywood is just you know the geeky side of Hollywood. They listen. And and they and they inject yeah, them. Yeah. Into, they inject them into stuff like you know, all of the Berlanti stuff. You mm. know, he's been able to direct all these episodes of Supergirl and Flash and stuff. Man, so yeah, yeah. awesome to see him just getting this you know, probably third big um, push, <laughs> basically at this point. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, this episode, like, I mean, from from what I remember of He Man, I haven't watched He Man of the original series as an adult. You know, but most of the cartoons back then were just used to push cereal and toys. Absolutely. So, they were toys first that came with comic books, and then they made a cartoon to sell the toys. Yeah. So I can't remember the depth of the storytelling on there. So so, so it was just a trip to, like, just from the first scene. The first scene feels like it's, like, the beginning of almost like a Tarantino movie. Because, like, there's so <laughs> much, there's so much, like, intrigue. With this person that's covered and stuff, and, and then the way they're setting it up, and then it goes it goes into the the kind of the soiree that they're having, and I just I just really liked I just really liked how it was moving, like like the dialogue, the subtle changes to a lot of the characters, and but yet but keeping some of the characters very similar to their origins. Oh yeah, like yeah. The, the scared cat and stuff. Oh, Cringer is perfect, and having Michael Root as as Cringer is so amazing. He does mm-hmm. such a good job, and that was a big part of the He Man show. Was like these 
these sight gags and like, you know, the whoop, 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 whoop. And, and the whole silliness of Cringer being afraid of everything and Orko is goofy and mm-hmm. it interspersed with the action content. And I think this show gets tone exactly right. I, I lived and died for He-Man starting from when I was about four years old going man, until how I was not, about man? seven or eight. I had um, He-Man themed birthday parties. I have to find a photo of it, but my mom spent a month making me an Orko Halloween costume. Oh my God. And she made the whole red robe and the hat. And she made ears that stuck out of the top of the hat. And she made the scarf and painted my whole face black and wrapped the scarf around my face and got the whole thing with the big O on the front. I mean, nailed it, hit it out of the fucking park. She says to this day that that's the favorite Halloween costume she ever made. Your mom is epic. That's awesome. Oh my God. She made some good, fun, epic costumes, but this was far and away so much more. She got so into like, how deep can I get on making this thing? And she worked on it for a month and for me to wear it for one night. And she loved it maybe as much as I did. So my mom made a full uh, Smurfs costume for me at one point. Nice. We sewed it. That's awesome. But your your mom is so epic. Great. You know, like when they, like there's something about that cements that shit in your childhood. Like as much mm-hmm. as I love the X-Men, as much as I love, you know, the Marvel comics, like I literally walked around my neighborhood dressed as Orko for Halloween. That was my jam. And I had the power sword. I had all the figures I had. Fuck this shit. I got like one thing for Christmas and this was so much money for us when I was a kid. I had the Eternia playset. If I had that now, it's worth like $3,000 intact on mm-hmm. eBay. <laughs> This thing at the time was almost $200, 1987 money. Mm-hmm. My parents fucking bought me one and spent the whole night, Christmas night, setting it up so that when I got up in the morning, like the little dude was running on the track and it was all set up and it was mammoth. It was absolutely, and especially for a seven-year-old kid, it was as big as I was. And I don't think I've ever been as excited Christmas morning ever since as I was that day. So I got a lot emotionally invested (laughs) in the quality of this show. Uh, Mm -hmm. Right off the bat, they had to nail Orko for me. Orko was a big one. He, to me, is the emotional heart of the show. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to spoil what's what's coming up for him, but holy shit, Orko is the beating heart of this entire show. And um, uh, Griffin Newman, uh, who people might remember from The Tick, just nails the vocal performance nails the vocal does he play or does he play arthur yeah yeah arthur yep oh cool arthur from the tick is the voice of orko and and he does it organically no modulation i just i remember orko being super goofy i feel like they kind of took the goofiness down maybe like 10 percent, and in they gen- genuinely give him a lot of, a lot of badassery moments Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's going to be a moment later in the show where, like, you know, you've been a fuck up your whole life, but now it's time to believe in yourself. If you were ever going to succeed, now's the time to succeed and Mm -hmm. to fulfill your potential. There's a there's a whole like. Never achieving your potential arc that he goes through over the next four episodes that you're going to see where he he copes with the fact that he's a fuck up, you know, in the whole other in the original cartoon, he he can't do anything right. No, Orko. And mostly he's just sort of like not not 
ignorant of his mess ups, but they don't, they don't have stakes. It's okay. You know, you mm-hmm. can be a mess up and still be all right. In this one, he's, he gets to a point where it's like, no more, no more. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I need to do and be my best self. And it's so wonderful. Man, I can't wait to watch the next uh, next four episodes. I only saw the first one. Yeah, so maybe maybe we leave it there, you know, so that so that we can like really tear into it once I get back. For sure, for sure. Uh, unless you got unless you got some more deep stuff you want to go on it, because I think we could talk a little well, bit I about. Well, I mean, that being said, we, I mean, I want to talk about Mark Hamill. You know, I mean, oh it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, it call, so- good call. It sounds like a, a scaled down Joker, uh, basically. And I um, think that, so. I'm, I, there's nothing wrong with that to me. Yeah, I, I definitely. I mean, I've been, you know, I do the Joker voice, you know, so uh, I got, I've been listening to Mark for thirty years, you know. Oh, fair. So, um, it's not like, it's not Joker in character. He definitely has his own character as Skeletor, but you hear the Joker in it. And, I thought just, once or twice I, I heard it. I could see what you're saying. I thought it slipped in here and there, but largely I didn't. That wasn't the flavor I was picking up on it. Yeah, I mean it's it's nothing. To, it's not to decry the performance. It's just like I hear the Joker. You know, I mean it's it's Mark. That's one of Mark Hamill's like pristine villain voices. And uh, you know, that being said, I mean I thought he was I thought he was great. I I liked how I just like I mean for for, for it to be such a simple thing that a villain wants. I wanted to rule the world. There, there was a lot of moving parts to it that was really cool, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of like, like, like surprisingly cunning things that Skeletor did, and um, then like um, the just the the uh, the temerity that they're giving a lot of the female characters in this show too, um, you know, like the the one character I forgot her name, but she was like super pissed that. That that um that lie was being told to oh, her. Oh, Tila, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that was great. You know, I mean, you, like, I mean, you're not you're just not used to this amount of depth. Well, that's why He-Man. you know that's why they called it <laughs> He-Man Revelations. Because again, spoilers, spoilers. At the end of the first episode, He-Man and Skeletor are killed. They are killed mm-hmm. in battle with one another, and the the scale of the destruction that it took to simultaneously kill. He-Man and Skeletor, uh, we're going to find out later in later episodes, has has had lasting ramifications for Eternia itself. Mm-hmm. This is a problem now that the people who are left behind following this event have to deal with. And so Tila is going to get tons of agency. And that's what a lot of some people have been like, oh, it's the Tila show. It's the Tila show. She's the new He-Man and blah, blah, blah. No, you're you're going to get. He-Man in Masters of the Universe. And I've watched, I've watched, you know, all of the episodes that are out so far. And there's He-Man. He-Man shows up in a bunch of them. Spoiler! I'm not telling, look, there's so many ways to take that. Dude, there's so many ways to take that. You're getting He-Man in Masters of the Universe. I'm not spoiling anything. It's massive. If you think that you're going to get four episodes with not one shot of He-Man... In Masters of the Universe, you are ridiculous, sir. I have spoiled nothing. But other than that, what Justin Long as Roboto, which you'll meet in later episodes, is one of the standouts for me uh, in the show. He he kills his performance. Liam Cunningham as Man at Arms is fantastic, and then Lena Headley as Evil Lynn. Holy cow! How they develop that character going forward. She is oh, going to wow. get 
so much development for someone who was just like the sidekick and holy cow, we come to find out so much about her and her motivations and everything that there is that goes on behind Skeletor and He-Man. Skeletor and He-Man, of course, are the focal points of the series, but they live in a world and Masters of the Universe routinely embraced the world. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm super looking forward because I you get a major, major, major cliffhanger at the end of episode five. And I just I want them to screw up the next five episodes and be done with it. Damn it. We're talking about it. This is you got what you wanted. You want everybody to talk about it. We're all talking about it. Now give me more episodes right now. I gotta know what happens. I gotta know what happens. But Kevin Smith, the, the last thing I'll say about it is Kevin Smith said something and and it was funny that he specifically said this because I had this exact thought and to hear it vocalized by the showrunner is perfect for me is that He-Man was not a good show. He-Man yeah. was not a good show. I was five. That's why I enjoyed it. I was six. I was seven. I tried to rewatch it as a teenager. It, it doesn't hold up. But mm-hmm. what he said, the point of this show is, is to make the cartoon you remember in your head. You remember Masters of the Universe so much better than it was. You remember only the good shit, but the fact that the the animation was choppy and the episodes would lag and they were written so quickly, a lot of times they didn't make any damn sense. Like all of that goes away in 30 years of memories and all you remember is the feeling you had sitting with a big bowl of cereal and your He-Man t-shirt and your plastic sword on the couch and watching that shit. And... If you had that experience as a kid, this show will give it back to you. Mm-hmm. So there you yep. go. I'm 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 having a good time so far. I was I was so Motu as a kid, I can't even tell you. And this even that was pre-Marvel was Motu for me. And I love it. I love it. So more of this, less of everything else. I did want to sneak something in that we forgot to talk about. Sexy beast. Sexy beast. I haven't watched. I haven't watched. Not yet. I haven't gotten to it yet. What do you think about? Do Do you want to talk about sexy beast? You want to wait? Just a small, just a small comment. All right. Tell me about sexy beast. I want to wait till you watch it. Oh, I'm I'm having a good time because I just love the makeup, and uh and it's it's really cool to see the reveal of how different the people look from under the meat underneath the makeup. You know. Oh my god! So that that's a little fun to watch. Are they all uh, conventionally I mean, attractive? Um, I for, for I mean, I beauty's an eye to beholder. Cop out. I felt bitch. like some of the people that they would show up weren't as that as fine as some of the other people, you know? Because like that's the thing, like like some of the people like wind up actually you know, feeling uh, regrets for the person that they didn't pick. Because as soon as you, like, because, like, you have three people to pick, and in the first round, you have to let go one of them. So yeah. as soon as you let go of one of them, they're taken out of the makeup, and you get to see them, and you're like, no! <laughs> and they're like, you're lost, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're picking between eights, nines, and tens then, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh, I don't know. Like uh, it's like I, seeing I, a Ferrari and a Lexus and only winning the Lexus. God damn! I think they, I think they get really varied different types of looks. You know, fair enough. So, so uh, like, um, it's not not everyone's a supermodel. Like for damn sure, that's not the case. But it's just like some people are like, "Ooh, wee, she's fine," and then another one's like, "Yeah, she's okay." You uh-huh. know, 
Yeah, so yeah, it's it's really light, 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 light fair, but you know, it's really it's an interesting dating show just with the makeup element because the makeup is so good. <laughs> it's funny you actually made me more interested to watch it now because part of me was afraid that this whole thing was going to go on and then all of the face reveals would be done in like the final episode, which I really no. didn't have the patience for. If no, I'm getting they... face reveals each episode, yeah, man, that's digestible. I could watch that because even if I don't like it, I'm you know. Each episode is just dedicated to the four people. Oh, perfect. The person that's the focal point and the three uh, people that are trying to uh, win the date. Uh, yeah. I thought it was going to be big pools of people all dating each no. other and then like a round robin choices at the end kind of thing. No, no, it's, it's not like a bachelor sort of thing. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Okay, that's much better. That's that's yeah, way people, more the format I like. stay in and make up that long. <laughs> Yeah, they, it, it's basically two. It's two days of makeup for for all the, all the people, basically. Jeez, that's still rough. You know, yeah. I mean, that's that's more manageable mm-hmm. when it's just the face and light light makeup uh, across the body. Yeah, but the first the first episode is pretty interesting. Uh, second episode is uh, pretty hilarious. <laughs> how how <laughs> dumb how dumb the dude is. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So that's all I'll say. Well, nice, nice. I'll definitely, uh, Rachel and I will be sure to sit down and catch some of that because uh, it. I loved Face Off and I love special effects, makeup and stuff. I just, I really didn't want to have to watch eight episodes or 10 episodes of something for the reveal and I'm glad that's not the case. So now I'm actually, now now I'm even more down. So I'm with it. Uh, nice. You know, you know who didn't spend shit on makeup was M. Night Shyamalan because he just <laughs> hired a whole bunch of people to play the same dude. <laughs> Old, old, it's it's exactly what it says on the tin. People are getting old. M. Night Shyamalan. Prepare to watch they get, people get old. like, slight wrinkles. <laughs> well, the kids get old. The kids get old real fast. Yeah, but they just, they just like, get Everybody else casting. ages gracefully. Yeah. Until they don't. So, spoilers. We're going to spoil the shit out of old. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. I enjoyed um, this one. Yeah. I feel like there's three tiers to Shyamalan. He has this genius tier movies that like he maybe makes once a decade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then he has his medium fare where he had like he has really cool ideas. Like he doesn't always land the execution. And mm-hmm. then he has this really crappy stuff. It's like, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> so I feel like this is a mid tier. Really, really just like well, well executed idea um, that doesn't land that well. What do you think? So it's somewhere above Mark Wahlberg running from the wind an entire movie. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> the Happening, are you kidding me? So oh the best thing about God. The Happening was the trailer. That trailer for The Happening was <laughs> sick, but the movie is really sick. No, the best thing about The <laughs> Happening is Mark Wahlberg's like shocked face because he does, he does the same shocked, bewildered, no, no, no. <laughs> Mixed with his Boston mother. accent. <laughs> I want to talk to your mother. Hello, no. <laughs> You're the one killing everybody. No, it's the trees. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a science teacher. I'm a science teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Say hello to your mother for me. <laughs> just like became John Lennon there for a second. What was that? Say hello, say hello to your mother for me. <laughs> it's hard. Slipping accents is really it's, accents are hard. 
Uh, <laughs> oh my god! And everybody, yo, how many people in old have to have an odd accent? Why do both the parents have a weird accent and the kids have no accent? And they're from <laughs> Pencil, and they're from fucking Pittsburgh or Philly. They're from Philly, and they both have European accents and kids have no accents and they're from Philly. That is in fucking I mean, decipherable. I, I, I think they, I think they split the difference with that one by making the kids very precocious. Yes, they are very. <laughs> oh, but they grow up so fast, don't they? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> wah, wah. I'll show myself the door. I really will. No, that was I'll great, man. <laughs> I mean, on the plus side, we get to see Alex Wolf again, and he's fantastic. I think he's really good. Uh, and then uh, Tomas and Mackenzie from you know Jojo Rabbit again. She's all over the place now, and she's getting a ton of well-deserved respect. Yeah, she's awesome. I like seeing her in this. Um, I think Ken Lung is great as Jaren. I always remember him He's from X Men Three. He's always the weird pincushion guy from X Men Three. I know that's like mm-hmm. the tiniest role in his career, but that's in my head. That's who he is. And He's, he's everybody great else everything. is okay. Uh, Aaron Pierre is is mid sized sedan, the rapper. <laughs> 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 oh my god like is our, Shyamalan, okay so is that Shyamalan offensive totally showed his animus with rap is that <laughs> offensive that i was gonna ask is that offensive is that him making fun of black culture or is y- that yes. is he winking at the joke <laughs> yes is he black enough to make that joke no oh. i don't know i'm checking that's why i'm asking Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. He ain't black enough to make that joke. All right. So cool. So uh, it was keeping still, score, it was so, so funny if, though. If you're keeping score at home, it's, it's offensive. Uh, it's not offensive. It's just like, it's just really telling like what, what he, what he thinks about rap. Fair enough. Fair enough. So he plays mid-sized sedan. And by the way, by the way, who's the first one to die in this movie? Yes, the fucking uh uh uh, uh people of color. <laughs> the, black the people guy. of color, man. I mean, technically his girlfriend dies first, but she dies off screen and then her body floats up and that becomes the motivation for the doctor to then stab him later. That's not the same thing. But he dies first. He is the first right, well, character the to die he let on that screen. Idiot, fucking kill him like that. That was bull. Some oh, tropes are inescapable. Bull. I'm sorry, my black friend. But you. No, I thought first. we were. I thought we were out of that, man. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. Uh, like, yeah, Shyamalan he has definitely not got no, the memo sir. in that bubble that he like resides in. If we don't have a black <laughs> corpse to push the story forward, what are we gonna do? Yeah, that's bull. Cool, man. <laughs> See, now I'm making you hate it a little more each time I talk. <laughs> yep. That's what I'm here for. I really enjoyed the camera work. The camera work was so unwieldy. Oh, I hated it. I'm so glad <laughs> that we're it. on opposite sides because usually I'm the positive one and you're the one like, that's terrible <laughs> camera work. And you know more about, you've directed a film, you've done more with film than I have. Like, uh-huh. it felt like somebody who was getting bored about the shit that was happening it would just start to drift to the right or drift yeah, I to just, the left. I, just, and... I, think it, I think it just added to the bewilderment of the situation. I don't know. It just... It just feels like somebody forgot to lock the fucking swivel on the camera. And it's like, no, oh, they, there they goes. They definitely did that all that on purpose. I know, of course. <laughs> I, of course. But, and uh, here's the thing. I'm, I'm talking a lot of trash about this movie. For me, this movie is a perfect 
ten million dollar movie, which is my understanding of about what it cost. It costs mm-hmm. nothing to shoot. It has most oh, of yeah. the characters in one location. There's mm-hmm. not a lot from a special effects standpoint until we get to some of the more gruesome deaths at the end. And yeah. um, I think it's a great ten million dollar movie. But when you stick, when you're somebody like M Night uh, Shyamalan, there's a certain expectation that comes along with it, and for better or for worse. And he has at varying points in his career wildly exceeded those expectations and fallen a little bit short. If this were a 60 minute student film from a director I never heard from, I'd probably really like it. But from uh, a larger director, I think that this movie falls flat. And I think plainly that the fucking uh, trailer ruined the movie, ruined the movie. Because Mm. if you watch the trailer, you know what's going to happen. And so you can logically extrapolate every little hint that they give you in advance. See, part of what made M. Night Shyamalan fun was that you watch the movie and then you go back like the sixth sense and you go, oh, that's right in there. And that's right there. Oh, and that's right there. If at the sixth sense, they had told you right off the bat, like, he's dead. And you're like, you would have spent the whole movie looking for hints (laughs) because you know a thing that the people in the movie don't. So you spend the whole movie looking for those hints. And that is one kind of movie. I did not want that out of this movie. I didn't want to know everything. And then when they show up again, we're going to spoil it. Let me just say it again. But when they show up at the resort and the first thing the people at the resort do is hand them drinks. And you're like, Oh, those drinks definitely have something in them. And then they meet a boy and like, Oh, that boy's got some weird relationship. Like there's something going on here. You know, he's somebody's kid, but like he, Oh, all my friends come and go. Oh shit. Nobody's coming back. Like everything tells you everything. They open up the fridge and all the food that the resort provides them is foil wrapped specifically in these like shiny foil. I was like, Oh, there's something they got to keep whatever's in this fucking area from affecting the food. Like it's, Every single thing. They're like, I wonder if the resort is somehow in on it. And yet the way M. Night Shyamalan is like, I'm dropping you off. I got to go, though. I can't go any further than this. You guys, uh, good luck. We're definitely not involved in what's about to happen to you. Like, from (laughs) every moment in the movie, you know every beat. Like, hey, we have a beach where everybody ages at an incredibly rapid pace. I wonder who's going to survive. It's the children, of course. So none of that has any stakes for me. I'm just watching to find out how they die, basically. Yeah. That's my take. That's why I'm like, okay. All right. But if you but if you give me a trailer, you give me a trailer where it's like they're on this beach and then the mom is screaming for her son and then suddenly a character that you showed earlier in the trailer looks older and like his face is rotting off. Give me the scene where she stabs him with the rusty knife and I just watch this guy fall apart from rot. You're like, oh my God, what, what happened to that dude? And- then yeah. you show one kid who got a little bit older and it's like, this guy's dying a rot. And did that kid get older? What, you know what I mean? You could have cut it in a way where I would have noticed things, but not known why they happen. Whereas I'm going, Oh, I'm gonna watch a movie where a bunch of people are on a magic beach where they get old and die. And that's exactly what I watched. Yeah. Yeah. You think the, the art of trailers would have just kind of been solid by now, you know? <laughs> That's yeah. why one of my favorite podcasts, Pure Cinema, which they recently had a couple episodes where they talked to Quentin Tarantino for like six hours and they're amazing. But one of the guys on there, his name is uh, Elric Kane. And specifically, he will pick out movies in advance that he's heard about and ref- 
refuse to watch the trailer and he refuses to watch the trailer on M. Night Shyamalan movies. And I'm thinking about taking that same approach from now on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I really love trailers. <laughs> I know. I know. Of course. Of course. And it's for something like The Green Knight, you know, if I don't watch that trailer, I don't watch that movie. But I watch that trailer now. I want to watch that movie. But I watch the trailer to Old and then I watch Old and it's like, man, I wish I hadn't seen the trailer. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but the movie on its own, and I, I try to not do that. I try not to judge it for what I want it to be or conditions how I want them to be. Just judging it for what it is, not bad. Good mm-hmm. twist. The ultimate, mm-hmm. are we going to spoil the big, big twist at the end as to what the purpose of the beach is? I mean, we don't really have to. That being said, I feel like it's one of Shyamalan's typical endings where he, he like brings like super, mm-hmm. instead of it being a twist, it's something that's super practical. Can I say what I would have what? really kind of enjoyed, though? Like, if I'm just throwing out my yeah. my perfect world ending, when the two characters that survive are being flown off in the helicopter at the end of the movie or however they get away from the resort or whatever, I would have fucking loved for the co-pilot or the pilot to just turn around and put two bullets in their head. And then... That's how the movie ends. Nothing, nothing you did mattered. Like, oh, you survived this whole crazy experience and there were reasons for it and machinations behind why it exists and the whole thing. Like, I would have actually fucking... The idea that they affect any real change on what is essentially a magic portion of the Earth. Like, of course, somebody's going to do something with that, mm-hmm. with that power. That 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 they could break down that power by just oh, fuck it, we'll spoil something by calling a few cops. Ultimately, that they survived the whole experience and then just call the cops on the people responsible to me. But I, I thought it got out to the news. Maybe I mean I don't know. That I wasn't my out read on it. I mean, to, to, I mean, I think that that definitely would have been an ending with more bite, definitely. right? That's a twist. Turn around, put two bullets in their head and then go land the helicopter and kick their bodies out and then radio in to some character we've never met before so that now they're like, hey, boss. Yeah, no, we took care of it. Okay, returning to base. And then you're like, oh, my God, it's so much bigger. You know, like. There was just no way to contain that, though, like because they they tell all the people in the resort and all those people have access to their phones and everything and stuff. Yeah, so like, yeah, the, true, the news true. got out. The news out, ultimately like, does get out, but I, I would have liked a bit more of a grim ending because I think I, I felt like I saw yeah. the ending coming where the people I think are going to survive, survive, mm-hmm. and evil gets punished even though evil doesn't think it's evil. So, you know, that's that's largely sort of what I was expecting, and I got what I was expecting. Um, yeah. But, 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 there are way worse ways, you know, to spend an hour and a half of your time. I felt like it was, you know, Thankfully, not two and a half fucking hours. I think this movie would have been a brilliant Tales from the Dark Side or Twilight Zone episode or something. Um, And I also think that Abby Lee as the model crystal with the calcium deficiency. Yeah, yeah, she's great. She's from um, uh, Lovecraft Country. Oh, nice. Cool. Because the juxtaposition of her attractiveness in the beginning and then what ultimately becomes of her at the end is huge. I felt like her Mm -hmm. interactions with her daughter at the resort, the writing was really forced and really ham fisted. She's looking at her three year old Mm -hmm. or or, or 
five-year-old daughter when she was like, don't hunch, boys don't find it attractive. Like, we get it. We get it. You're, you're superficial. Yeah. Just slap me in the face with it again. That you're superficial. You're telling your five-year-old, don't yeah. slouch. Boys don't find it attractive. It felt ham-fisted. But otherwise, the whole rest of the movie, totally fine. It's just that line I thought was stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, uh, it was just cool. It was just cool to see her playing. Because she plays such a in-depth character on Lovecraft Country. It's cool, it's cool to see her. Play vapid. The opposite end of that spectrum is a kind of a yeah. very vapid. Almost like a a variant of yeah, yeah, yeah. I picked that up. Sure, sure, sure. I get that. Yep. Yeah. But overall, <laughs> problems with midsize sedan aside. <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I was like, "What? Is, oh my god, Arthur's gonna be so mad." <laughs> oh my god, I was the only one laughing at <laughs> when that part came. When when he said that, they're like, "You white folks don't get the joke." Because it's me, motherfucker. <laughs> Why ain't you laughing? See, if you hadn't been there, they would have laughed all that. <laughs> oh, oh, society is oh, awful. Crap. But we're trying. We're trying to make it better. And movies like this, you know, they're going to, mm. these tropes will die out and hopefully we'll see some better stuff. And But in general, in general, yeah. perfectly agreeable. I gave it a solid C plus. Like if you got this test back in high school, it's a 79. You don't go home and put it on your fridge, but you also don't, you know, bury it at the bottom of your book bag. I was about to say we were about to about to we're about to see some um uh, other stuff because uh Tiffany Haddish and uh uh Lakeith Sanfield. Sanfield, yeah. They're they're both cast in the new Haunted Mansion movie. <laughs> I have no expectations for the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> I don't actually think that Lakeith Stanfield can fuck that up because, again... I mean, he's going to be next to Tiffany Haddish. That's true. So he rises to the level of the talents around him, which is always good. But yeah. I also think that there is no pressure being the lead character in uh, in that movie. I think that he can just have some fun with it, and I think he will have some fun with it. Yeah. Uh, but I have zero expectations for that. I expect it to basically, if it's as good as Hotel Transylvania, call it a win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those those are some good movies, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I think that... Well, uh, that sounds about it. be just about it. Arthur, if people want to find out more about the shit that you like and they want to reach out and tell you about how you're wrong on all of your opinions about things, except that Captain <laughs> Marvel in black is black, which you are unquestionably right about, where can they find you? <laughs> you can find me www.arthurrubio.live and also on Instagram at drawreallyawesomewow, all underscored. I always leave it at that. <laughs> nice. And if you want to find me, you can find me first at Tales to Admonish on Instagram with all underscores, the way Instagram does it. Or you can find my personal page on Instagram at Thomas.Olton. And if you like the podcast, please leave us a review or a like. That helps with our visibility and helps other people find the podcast. Additionally, you can find us on YouTube. Subscribe there and you will get updates when all the new episodes show up. I'm having some uh, RSS problems, but we're getting them worked out. So if a uh, little behind on the episodes, bear with us. And See us here in just a few weeks when, you know, my head will be three ounce lighter. Yay. And that'll be a good thing on Tales to Admonish. Bitches. Just... <laughs> was that, was that Lakeith Stanfield doing the bitches? The bitches. <laughs> bitches. <laughs> bye, guys. Oh, bye, guys.